What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W Podcast. Today, we are chatting about the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, I'm your host, Jono, and joining me today is my co-host, Will. Hey, everyone. Look, another exciting team. Uh, I'm very excited to get into the Gold Coast Suns because I kind of see them as a team that's going to be on the up in Season 7. Yeah, absolutely. They're on the up uh, in Season 6, but they've had a fair bit of player movement, which means that they're going to be possibly a bit of a wild card. Yeah, a lot of team movement. A lot of expansion clubs have, have picked up some Gold Coast players because they've got a lot of good talent. Uh, but it does mean a lot of good things for our fantasy teams. So I'm really excited to get stuck into it. But first off, why don't you just give us a quick overview of the Suns and their time in the AFLW? Absolutely. So Gold Coast joined the AFLW in 2020, so season four, and had pretty slow start to their AFLW career with only two wins in their first 16 matches across the first two seasons. However, last season, we saw rapid improvement from the Suns, climbing their way up off the bottom of the ladder to finish 10th in season six, uh, but really impressing a lot of a lot of pundits with their run and gun style and their ability to play some exciting footy. Yeah, no, they, they were really quick. I, I think they've probably got one of the fastest teams in the AFLW. Yeah, I think a lot of that's got to do with new coach Cameron Joyce, who started coaching them in season six, so at the start of 2022. There's also been a bit of other change in the leadership because Hannah Dunn was the the captain of the Suns for the last two seasons, but has since moved to Port Adelaide. So captaincy hasn't currently been uh, assigned to anyone, but it'll be interesting to see who does take that role. Yeah, it's a, it's a big question and yeah, it really could go to anyone, but I suppose there are a few players that we're keeping an eye on. Uh, did you have anyone from the Gold Coast Suns in your team last year? Yeah, like a lot of people, I started with Charlie Robottom, number one pick, basically a, a superstar in the making and is already pretty close to one anyway. Uh, she was one of the best midfield rookies you could have. I also had Kalinda Howarth at stages. She was looking like one of the best forwards in the game for a little bit there before a, a role change really sunk her scoring. But there was one other Gold Coast son that I reckon just about every single player in the competition had. And that is Tara Bahana, uh, who we may have flagged on yesterday's podcast. We have brought on today to have a little bit of a chat with. Yeah, absolutely. Super exciting for her. Mature age recruit coming in from the Saints in the VFLW. And man, what what a what a first season it was for Tara. She started on absolute fire. I think in those first couple matches, she would have had what two or three scores above 80, which was just incredible from a rookie. And you know, when we're talking about across the whole season, she still ended up with an average of, of 56 which a couple episodes ago, we talked about Greta Bodie as one of the best forwards we're expecting this season. She only averaged 60, so slightly better than what Tara did as a rookie. It was, it was really incredible. Absolutely. And just the ability to hit that scoreboard and take those marks meant that, you know, she just she wasn't just a rookie that you wanted to, to keep and get rid of. She was a genuine on-field option. Tara was one of those rookies that you're able to hold on-field all season, which is just incredible from a rookie. So... Very exciting that we've had the chance to sit down with her and talk through her debut season at the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, but also, you know, with all these changes happening in the side, who's going to play where? What's happening at the Gold Coast in season seven? Yeah, for sure. It, it, it's one of those teams, Gold Coast, that a lot of people probably don't know a whole lot about just being one of those interstate teams that people seem to forget about. So it's fantastic to get her insight. So let's get into that now. 
Tara, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. What a debut season that you had in season six. Right from the start, you've established yourself pretty quickly as one of the better forwards in the, the competition. I think you kicked six goals in your first three games. Um, yeah, I think the word, the word I've used a fair bit is surreal, and I think that's kind of what it was. I think I'm, I went in, obviously, as a, after the draft kind of pick up. And, yeah, I guess for me it was kind of just if I can get a game, that'd be that'd be cool. And obviously ended up, yeah, playing, playing the whole season. But, I mean, I definitely didn't have any like expectations I suppose on myself I just wanted to go in there and and kind of take the opportunity that I was given and give it my all and then uh you know if I could produce some good footy then that that's great and yeah I guess just take the experience for what it was but yeah obviously ended up being a pretty good season in the end you got passed up by a number of clubs and a number of drafts that must yeah. be quite tough so moving up to Queensland that must have been a a big decision for you yeah I mean when I got the call from Joycey saying that, you know, the potential was there, like it was pre-draft, so I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Like nothing was set in stone or anything, but it was kind of there potentially was going to be a pick uh, that, you know, for inactive players and stuff and that might be happening. And I guess for me, after so many years trying um, to get in, it was kind of, it was a hard decision to, to come up, but then at the same time, it also was kind of easy because it was just like, okay, well, that's where my opportunity is. If I want to do it, kind of got to make the move. So, um it was easy, but yeah, but not so easy in terms of, you know, obviously leaving family, friends and all that kind of stuff. And Gold Coast is an interesting one because, you know, you go up there for holidays, but um, I've definitely never thought about living there. That's definitely a different concept. So, but I love it up there now. So absolutely grateful for, for what I was given. Yeah. You're coming into the second preseason now. Is it? Does it feel, you know, you've got like a good family unit and feeling really settled up there? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, the girls were, and, and the coaching staff and everyone else was were really welcoming straight off the bat. So I knew a few of the girls from Saints, and we've got a few more Saints now um, after the last draft and trade period and stuff. But, yeah, I think, yeah, established a good base of people that I'm really friendly with and uncomfortable with. And to be honest, the whole team is really great. So definitely makes it easier, I think, going into season two and, you know, deciding to stay up here and stuff. You know, you wouldn't do it unless you felt like it was the right fit. So um, for me, there was yeah no real other option but to stay and yeah can see really good things happening. So I'm really excited. And you mentioned you've now got some Saints up there to have some familiar faces, but yeah. with the, the recent off season, Gold Coast was hit pretty hard with players moving mm. to, to the expansion clubs. Something that the Gold Coast itself hadn't really uh, experienced. How's that really gone for the club? How's the the team feeling with uh, the new faces that have come in and the absences of, of some of the established players? Yeah, obviously that wasn't an easy thing to go through. And I think the the period, like the trade period just went for so long. I felt like it went for so long that it was pretty exhausting, to be honest, like with all the movement or just talk about movement before it even happened. You know, obviously we had a couple go to Hawthorne with Perko and Janet and then we had more go to Port Adelaide than Adelaide did in the end. So, um, and a few of them, I guess, un- unexpected as well, which, you know, can happen. And, you know, it's it's kind of the way with expansion, I guess. You know, clubs can offer what they can offer. And then if expansion offer more, then, it, you know, it's just the way of the game. There's, you know, money to be made and and, um, and potentially longer contracts and all that kind of stuff. So definitely um, there was, a, I guess, a bit of a grieving process for some of the girls who, you know, were really close to the girls that left. And that's natural and, you know, everyone um, goes through it in their different way. But they had a vision of who they wanted to get in as well and, and to kind of build, you know, especially our wings and a few more mids and forwards as well, a bit more maturity 
we lost a bit of maturity, so getting a bit more maturity back. Um, but then, I guess, a mix of, of young talent as well. So um, everyone who's come in so far, getting really good vibes from them. And the last couple of weeks have been really positive and just trying to keep the good culture, I guess, going. Because I guess, yeah, you lose your captain, you lose a, a few other names, and there's always going to be a little bit of worry of what what's going to happen. But... The coaches are really confident in keeping that good culture going and a positive attitude, and I think we're still in good stead to improve again. Probably my favourite story coming out of last year was you guys obviously went down to one of those hubs to try and deal with the COVID last year, which it must be a relief not have to worry as much about it this season. Yeah, but I heard that sure. you apparently made a bit of a Hunger Games-style tribute. <laughs> what was that about? Oh, yeah, okay, that video, yes. Um, so basically... We went to Melbourne and um, played West Coast. And then basically after that trip, so that was round two, we had, you know, that first win in however many days it was, 600 and something. Mm. And um, then basically from there, everyone copped COVID. And it was just kind of a thing where everyone, like it was like every couple of days it felt like there was another person that um, – yeah. that went down and we just kept going down. And so I, I do like to kind of dabble in a bit of this stupid social banter and stuff. So um, I made a video basically of just the fallen, I suppose. And it was just like, you know, the Hunger Games where they um, flush. I shouldn't say the dead people oh, because you know, the, that's probably not great for the COVID. You know, it's not probably politically correct. But um, <laughs> basically they flush the people who, you know, died that day in the sky. So I just... Um, I basically changed those faces to the people, the players who had gone down <laughs> with COVID yeah. in order. Um, yeah, so it was just a bit of fun while we were all in ISO because we were pretty much all in isolation at some point. I didn't actually get COVID, which I still haven't um, touched wood, but pretty much the majority did. So, yeah, just a bit yeah. of, um, bit no, of I fun. I love that, keeping it a bit lighthearted. Yeah, trying yeah, to deal it. with that situation. Yeah. It also means that there's a, an opportunity for you to also appear in a, in a fallen video later this well, year. Required, but <laughs> yes, that's right. Hopefully, they might hopefully get me. you'll avoid it. Hopefully, you can avoid it this year. And uh, I hope so too. But um, you're right though. I think um, if it does happen to me, I'll be copping a bit. I think. <laughs> very, very good. So uh, you mentioned uh, Captain Hannah Dunn's uh, departed. So obviously, that yeah. leaves a bit, of a, a bit of a leadership void. Um, has there been discussions at the club about? you know, the, the captaincy and the leadership group and how that'll form coming into the new season? Yeah, so last season they kind of did a, um, a bit of a, I guess, leadership training where, you know, every week they kind of meet up and, and we had an external um, guy come in and, I guess, do some training and leadership skills and stuff. So I think at this stage there'll be a similar... Uh, so everyone, like, whoever is keen on doing the training will kind of um, put their put their hand up and... Um, and they'll go through that. I don't know how many week process it'll be. Probably a bit quicker this year because of um, the lack of time that we have. But um, and then yeah, it'll be just a nomination process. I think of of um, girls who think that you know they they want to be in the leadership group or vice captaincy or captaincy, and then go from there. But yeah, we still have a strong base, I guess, of girls that um, were in the leadership group last year. Obviously, with Danny gone, but the rest of the the leadership group is still there. And and there's some young girls who I think could potentially step up or just dabble a little bit in it and um, and just gain a bit of confidence in that leadership space. But, you know, I think what we always try to do is just, you know, everyone can be a leader. You don't have to actually be part of the leadership group, but still displaying those qualities and, um, you know, stepping up and saying what you think and that kind of stuff at training is really important. So just trying to make it more of a um, environment where everyone can be open and just, um, I guess, say what they think anyway, even if they haven't got the title. 
but you've still got your best Keynes and, and um, Jamie Stanton and Serene that were in leadership last year. So they'll probably step up, I imagine. But it'll also be a player, um, usually it's a player vote. So we'll see if they do the same this year. Yeah, exactly. Are we a chance to see uh, Captain Tara Bahana running out there next? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I doubt, um, doubt I'll be captain. Um, but yeah, I don't, look, I've been, you know, in that leadership, I guess, role before at Southern Sciences VFL. So I have had a little bit of a go at it, but um, maybe leadership group, I might put my hand up, but um, Captain C, I'm, uh, yes, not sure. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> Yeah, so you've mentioned there's a bit of a change, I suppose, in the off-season with a few players departing to port um, mm. and also up, up forward with Sarah Perko and, and Janet heading down to the Hawks, which yeah. i got to be honest, I'm a Hawthorne supporter. I'm thrilled. I oh, think it's going to be happy, fantastic yeah. up forward, as, <laughs> as tough as it is for the Suns. Yes. Um, but they were fantastic up forward. I think they kicked 10 goals between them. How are you guys going to line up in the front half without them? Yeah, so we've got um in terms of Perko's obviously a yeah, big loss and I'm yeah I was definitely sad to see her go because I think it was great to to work with her and I think we you know established a pretty good forward line with her and and Jack Dupes and Loz Bell when she came in sometimes but basically how we're looking at it this time around is Jackie Dupay she'll basically come in and play a bit more forward so she was kind of chopping out between ruck and forward last year probably a bit more ruck to be honest so she'll come in more as a forward like a key forward. And then we've also got Giselle Davies who has been training previously as a backliner, but um, is moving forward. She, she did a, um, some good work in the quaffle with um, Southport. So kicked a fair few goals there and got a bit of a, a taste for it and really has been enjoying forward line. So she'll be training with us in the forward line, which is really exciting. Um, and then we've got a couple of the, the new recruits who will be in the forward line too. So Ash um, Atkins has come over from West coast. She just arrived yesterday for her first training. And um, Jazz Smith as well from the Academy and from up here in Queensland. So um, we've got, a, like, I think we're probably looking to be honest, a bit smaller and a bit quicker uh, is how we're kind of going more about it. So probably not as tall as we were previously, but a bit more speed on us, I think. Yeah, a bit more run and gun. I think, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a faster player in the AFL than Tory Groves Little. Yes. Yeah, that's some serious. Yeah, play. they are very, very quick. Um <laughs> Yeah, when they're off, they're yeah. It's it's great to watch, and that's what we love, like a bit of entertainment as well. And you just don't know what's going to happen. There's yeah, there's Tori, and then there's also Bushy, who's tall, who's quick, and Lucy Single will dabble, and she'll be in the forward line too. So, and then we've got Jamie Stanton who moves through there as well. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Hmm. Definitely a different look, but a good look. I'd seen last year you were thrown around a little bit. You went to the back line at different points, mm. and we're back at the Southern Saints. I think I saw you line up on the wing a few times. Are you going to be doing yeah. that as well this coming season, you reckon? Um, yeah, so we, yeah, often we have like, a, a, I guess, a secondary position that you might put um, put down as, I guess, something that you might double with. So for me, um, yeah, but there is potential that I could do kind of a drop behind the ball kind of look. We had Kalinda Howth do that a fair bit this year or last season, but potentially that could go to me this year um, just if we need that extra spare back like just floating kind of thing. I could end up in that role, um, probably more than I will wing, but usually if you go into that role, you start on the wing and drop back kind of thing. So, um, yeah, potentially that could definitely happen um, some point during the season. It just kind of depends on um, what's happening in the game. 
Yeah, Kalinda Howth was a player I was actually going to bring up because she played yep. at every position on the ground. Like, is that, is that <laughs> That's a hard position for fantasy, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Is that, <laughs> is that versatility something that you guys really focus on? You said you've got a second position. Is, is that something yeah. that you really focus on to make yourselves a, a better team as a whole? I think having having another option is always good and, like, it means that you kind of keep at your skills and always, like, kind of looking for somewhere to improve and... Um, I think just, yeah, having that secondary role means that, you know, so as a forward, for example, I'm like, okay, I obviously need another forward line, but I still need to work on, you know, um, my defensive marking and positioning and all that kind of stuff as well. So um, I think in terms of continual improvement and just being versatile in terms of, okay, I can't play, say, for example, as an injury or, um, you know, you're not getting a gig in a certain position and you might be able to, you know, put your hand up for somewhere else, I think is a good thing. And definitely <laughs> Kindy's a, an example of that. I think she'll be more in the midfield and, and wing probably this year, but who knows? That's where you start and that's where you say you're training, but then things change and you could end up in the back line of the forward line. So, yeah, for sure, I think it's a good thing that we kind of make sure that we're continually working on other positions. Yeah, and you're definitely right about uh, it in terms of the fantasy scoring. For a while there, she was <laughs> just about the best scoring forward in the game and then she had a role change and started uh, doing yep. a much better defensive role for the Suns, but doesn't really work for the Doesn't fans. help with the points. <laughs> Yeah, she was actually doing really well there, floating back and kind of being that last line of defence for a bit there. But yeah, not so good, frustrating for the um, for the punters out there. We saw uh, Ali Drennan come out and have a career best season last year. How was uh, yeah. how how good was that development for for the club going forward? Yeah, I think Dreno she always like behind the scenes as well puts in a heap of effort and a lot of work behind the scenes. So. Um, constantly doing her skills and, and extras and stuff, but then, you know, vision and all that kind of thing as well. So I think, yeah, her having a great season like she did obviously it helps the team as well because then it just creates that run. So you've got your inside, you know, mids with Charlie and Ellie Hampson and, um, and Claudia and those girls getting the ball and then kind of, you know, getting it out to your, your runners like Dreno and that, that then can deliver the ball in. Not that those girls can't deliver it in either. But it just kind of creates a bit of, yeah, I guess you don't know where we're going to go. We'll go at the back, you know, running on and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, if everyone's improving like she does every year, then um, we're only going to get better, which is really cool. Um, and, yeah, she's a good vibe around the club too. So if she's playing well and, and in, in a good space, then it definitely helps us. I think it's a pretty exciting time to be following the Go Coast, to be honest, because I feel like, you know, a couple of years ago from the spoon, you've got like a really clear, like quick game style and there's lots yeah. of improvement everywhere. It's um, it's really great to see. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things that um, I guess being up here, you are like a little bit of, like definitely under the radar. But I think, I, I mean, I, to be honest, like being in that position because, um, you know, no one knows kind of what's coming. And I think, you know, the, our first year we're kind of, okay, just, you know, trying to get forward and get the ball forward. And now we're trying to be a bit more strategic in terms of, you know, will we release that to the wings and using the wings a bit more and not just just go forward all the time. So it'll be really interesting to see how we can kind of create that connection um, between the different, I guess, positions and do a few different things that, you know, we might not have done last year just to be a bit not as obvious, I guess, what we're doing. So it'll be really good. I suppose at the opposite end of the ground, I've been looking at the the defense that you've got going there because that was something I think last season that I imagine you've you've been doing a bit of looking back on because there's a few yeah. points conceded there. Yeah, but it seemed like the recruiting this year was was pretty targeted there, where you you picked up a couple of mature age recruits to play some of those positions back there. Um, I'm looking yeah. at Georgia Clayton and Gabriella Benwig Webster. Mm-hmm. Are they you know how how have they come into the club? Are we expecting to see them as well? 
Yeah, so they've been uh, at the club a couple of weeks now. We're easing them back, easing them in a little bit, just because. Well, definitely Gabby anyway, because um, she's come from the VFL season, obviously needing you know a little bit of a break before getting into things. And Georgia is also like similar, just kind of easing them in. So they're just starting to kind of join in on on like the full trainings now. But I think there's some great signs. They you know good, strong, kind of tall players, and I think they could both. I guess the way we've kind of gone, like they all. All the defenders, I guess, uh, definitely can run off halfback as well. Um, they're all running defenders for sure, besides the fact they can, you know, shut players down as well. But I think, um, yeah, they've definitely gone with more the maturity, I suppose, side of things um, with who they've brought in as well. So um, just a bit of that older head, I guess, with the defenders. But you've got players still like your Daisy Darcy, who's just mm. awesome to watch and such a good player. Um, is playing off halfback, but could also, she could definitely go in the midfield and, and that with her skills and, and how she plays, and then Bess will probably stay back there a bit more um, where she was a winger last year. And then you've got, obviously got Loz and, and Viv down there as well. So um, I think there's a good mix, and I think the more, again, the more they do their connections in the, in the next few weeks, the better we'll be. And, yeah, I guess it's all about really building that connection is the, probably the biggest thing in every line, but definitely in defence as well, being on the same page. Yeah, there's like handoffs between players when, you know, have to zone off or something. That's, that's always so important. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, that's why we're trying to, you know, you try and get into match sim pretty much as soon as you can. One thing I'm always curious in match sim is uh, I think the Gold Coast have one of the best rucks in Lauren Bella. Yeah. Have you had to go up against her? <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, just, I haven't yeah. had to. I do that's like in, um, in our drills, but in match sim, it was either dupes, um, Jack, um, Jack Dupay or um, one of the coaches usually um, goes up against her because, uh, mm. yeah, the rest of us, um, yeah, definitely uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough task going up against her, especially in the middle of the ground when there's the tap for sure. Um, but, mm. yeah, she's definitely yeah, good to have around, that's for sure. Yeah, because she's 21 years old and she's already leading the competition in hit-outs. You'd only expect mm. to keep getting better and better. Do you think – uh, think some of the wet weather footy will play into the into her hands a bit better as well more stoppages more hit outs yeah it'll be really interesting to see um i think with with Loz, like she like is always improving and i think if she can start to really um kind of like the moody's and that like if she can start to really gather the ball on the ground as well um because obviously her tapping is elite um but if she can then also get the clearances and be that kind of another option as a midfielder um yeah, she'd be pretty unstoppable, I reckon, because she'll be able to just get the clearances out as well as um, doing her tapping. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting with the wet weather, um, and well, if there is wet weather, which I assume there will be a bit of, because sometimes that really, like, kind of levels out the game. Um, so if you have teams, you know, there's one really dominant team, you know, skills-wise and whatnot, that rain really changes things. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious because... I don't really know what the weather's like in Gold Coast because you've got the the rainy and then the dry season, I suppose, rather yeah. than the summer winter. Yeah. I was looking at your fixture, and you, you, I think four of your first five games are up in Queensland. Mm. Which, I, I think that's a good thing. Oh, it's, again, it's so hard to know. Um, like I came up here last year around October, so I kind of missed that end of August, September. Um, but I must admit, once I got up here, it was um, definitely better weather than Melbourne. Though Melbourne is starting to get better weather by then as well, so. Um, like right now it's raining today, but it's still like, you know, near 20 degrees kind of stuff. So it's not like it's, it's not yeah, like it's what cold. We do for well, that. I don't think it's cold. <laughs> the Queenslanders definitely think it's cold. Um, yeah. they're, they're freezing their asses off. But I think our first game's in Tassie. So that'll probably be freezing. 
But I think, yeah, it'll... I think it'll be good having some games up here and hopefully the rain kind of stays away because if it can be stay dry, it'll be good weather. Like, it's just... It's so much easier to run um, and just to, I guess, make it a better-looking game, I think, when we're not all fatigued from heat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you're the only team as well that's been training up there in the heat, aside from Brisbane, could be a bit of a home-ground advantage as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that was definitely the case last year um, with Metricon games. Like, we love playing at Metricon. And I think we played pretty well there, except when we got slaughtered by Brisbane. But um, the rest of the games that we had there, we did pretty well. And I think that humidity and that, that the other teams aren't used to definitely plays in your favour. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's great having an insight into you know what's coming up at the Gold Coast this season. Yeah, no um, worries at all. And I'll, uh, I'll leave you with one question. If there's yeah. one player that we should be watching for the for Gold Coast next season, who is it that we should be watching? I think Daisy Darcy. Yep. She's just, um, she flies under the radar, but she does get recognition sometimes, but not, not near enough, I don't reckon. And yeah, she's just super versatile, even though, as I say, she plays most of that half back, but um, just silky and just a bit sneaky. So I reckon, um, yeah, she's definitely one to, um, one to watch. And obviously, if you're wanting, you know, rack up disposals kind of, you know, in insight, probably your usuals in your chuck and your um, drenos, but yeah, Daisy Darcy, I reckon. Very good. It's always good to give the the defenders a bit of a spotlight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Great. Thank you very much. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. See ya. Alrighty, that was some fantastic insights into the Gold Coast Suns by star forward Tara Bahana. Uh, Not the first time we've done this, but some really interesting tidbits in there for our fantasy teams. Uh, we're going to go into a bit of an analysis here, just to see what we've learned from that chat. And for this, I am joined by Liam. Mate, what'd you make of that? G'day, everyone. That was truly insightful. For someone that's seen, you know, someone who came into the, comp- the competition only last year, she seemed very comfortable talking about the Gold Coast game plan, all the different players, and clearly very humble about the whole experience as well. Just a, a font of knowledge and massively helpful. Yeah, and I really love that she kept dropping in those, you know, little fantasy relevant dot points here or there. Um, I think she she mentioned she played a bit of super coach herself, so it's good to have that that insight. Hundred uh, percent. So, from a fantasy perspective, then, uh, what was your biggest takeaway? So, as much as I was just typing up the interview, the big takeaway is one of disappointment which is the dual position status of a number of key fantasy relevant players. Uh, The discussion of the intention for Gold Coast to wherever possible dual train as many players as possible might be a great tactical game style. It's deeply unfortunate for fantasy coaches because at the drop of a hat, some elite fantasy player might become a key back. Cough, Kalinda Howard, cough. <laughs> Absolutely, it's killer. Yeah, it's not It's not what you want to hear from a fantasy perspective because uh, we, we struggled with that a lot last season as it was with Howard starting the season so strongly and then suddenly just dropping off with her scoring. I don't think she reached those heights for the rest of the season. Similar, similar thoughts for someone that I had in my team for a majority of the season in Ellie Hampson. I was going over the CBA data, trying to figure out who I was going to bring in in the non-midfield space. And she definitely jumped out as someone who had a decent percentage of CBAs and was thus undervalued. But week to week, that could change rapidly. And there was just a tendency for the, the 
inside mid role to completely disappear, become a wing high half forward role, which might be really helpful to the team. And it's clear that it's someone that they want to have the ball in their hands, putting the ball inside 50. It's just an issue when you can't guarantee week to week that you're going to get a, a you know consistent scoring. And it's made even worse when sometimes you bring in a player for a certain week because they're playing against an opposition who's easy to score against. The idea being that you kind of get that maximum sugar hit. It's even worse when you're like, well, I'll lock it in. I'll lock it in a nice 70 for that player because they're playing against a dud team. Lo and behold, they're a half back and the ball doesn't go down there. It's, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's a fantasy coach killer, that one. I mean, on the, on the flip side, though, it probably means that we're going to see at some point during the season coming someone who you know might have started the season poorly, had a bit of a dampening effect on their price, and then suddenly they're going to get a great role for a few weeks. That's something to keep an eye on. I think my biggest takeaway, though, was that it doesn't sound like they're done with debutants. There's still going to be a little bit of change in the team. And I'm really excited to see who some of the cheaper players we're going to be able to get on our fields. As with you know, any fantasy game, the, the key value comes from those players that are super cheaply priced. The, the question is just going to be if they're still kind of tuning that kind of cheaper end of the roster, are they going to have enough time to become accustomed to the game style and get decent minutes up front? Now, it might not be an issue. It might be good to kind of have these fantasy-relevant rookies come up to speed later in the season so we can consistently get value from our bench. But it is a risk that they you know, might not be relevant this year and we kind of pump them to next year. Mm, definitely. What we might do then is just quickly go through and identify what players uh, are going to be on our watch list for this season and people we might want to have in our teams or at least are considering in our teams this year. Starting with players that we expect to be in the, you know, the defensive pool for fantasy, one that Tara ended there with was Jackie DePay. I think uh, this is a really interesting option because she was key forward in a junior before the AFLW days. But last season, she was played as a key defender, uh, averaged about 36 for the season. But it sounds like she's going to be swung forward, which, uh, I mean, has a lot of potential then to, to rack up a few marks, kick some goals. If she's taking that uh, Sarah Perkins role, perhaps, of last season, then maybe she could average you know, that 45, 50 mark and, and really make a bit of money for us. 100%. Like we, we saw what Tara did last year being a rookie that we brought in ostensibly just for the price rise that stayed in our teams because Gold Coast facilitated a role where a key forward could average 50 points, for, which for your team to have as your lowest scoring forward is actually not a bad position to be in. So it's interesting to hear that someone who averaged in the low 30s last year and who had some pretty kind of really low scores when playing as a key back. Interesting to hear that there might be, you know, another Tara this year, that kind of key forward who gets to roam around and kind of take on take on some of those key marks and kick some goals. Yeah, it's, it's a really awkward price point. If you're averaging 36 last season, you probably want that to be over 50. So I think that's, it's going to be a risky pick, but it's certainly one we can, uh, if the team falls that way, uh, in the sense that I'm looking for someone around that price, I think that's a big standout. Yeah, I, I would I would say that her her comparison point, maybe not in stature and in you know exposure to the rest of the league, is Taylor Harris, who's someone we both had in our teams to start last year as that awkwardly priced key forward who is undervalued, but plays in a team where key marks 
and that that role essentially exists for some fantasy scoring there based on contested marks and goals. Yeah, yeah, and that's Taylor Harris was a great pickup last year. I was pretty happy with her, especially in that back half of the season. Yeah, no, none of us dropped her too early. Nobody yeah. on this pod <laughs> right here, right now, dropped her before she went on to average sixty for the rest of the year. No one. Having said that. I do have a little bit of a hesitation about having a defender playing as a forward because that to me screams inconsistency where we're going to have some weeks where she's scoring, you know, a kicking maybe one or two goals and getting up to the, the 60 mark and other weeks where, you know, I, I don't know they play, what is it, the Brisbane Lions in round three. If that game is anything like it was last year, that ball's not going near the Gold Coast forward line. So, you know, what's, what, what's think- going to happen there? It's a bit of a challenge. Look, the, the other risk is that kind of magnetism where if a team does have three key forwards, she may be someone that gets dragged back into defence anyway, which brings in the lower scores. Like, it's going to be a situation where it was discussed in the Tara interview, a lot of the key replacements were in defence. Now, the replacements may be excellent, but it does suggest that there is a perceived weakness there from at least Gold Coast management there's always going to be that magnetism to go, well, we need you to pinch hit. Again, that role consistency, and clearly they've shown a tendency to want to shift roles. It's something that you'd need to be very confident in before, before launching into uh, putting your in the side. I'm going to move us into the midfield now because I know there's one key midfielder there that I know you're very keen on for this season. Oh, so the key midfielder I want to talk about is uh, Alison Drennan who had a just incredible run of form in the middle of the year where she was averaging 95 over a three-game stretch and looked like a top five midfielder in the comp. Unfortunately for all of those high highs, there were some pretty below 50 lows. But as, as was discussed in the Tara interview, she's someone that's really trying to hone her skills and the, the big thing that we saw last year is she was that, that cog in the chain who would consistently get short marks and then would run off the lead. It would run around on the mark and kind of be that person to keep the ball into 50. If she can continue to improve on in the way that she did last year, got to be someone to watch out for in that kind of mid-price bracket who could easily outscore their average from last year by 10 points. Yeah, yeah. She spreads really well. And if, if she can keep up that sort of high ceiling that she had last year, where I think you were saying she had a, a high of 108 or something like that. High of 108, mm. which was the highest fantasy score ever. But the two weeks prior, she'd gone 98 and 90. And in those games, she'd kind of averaged 23, 24 possessions as well. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, someone who can who can mark and, and really rack up the numbers is always a great, great addition. It's just, can she do that across a whole season? Uh, and I think she's a premium that we can talk about that actually presents a lot of value this year. So. Yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, though, given the way, and we've kind of had this discussion on previous episodes, given the way the season's going to work, it's going to be pretty substantially guns and rookies. Alison Drennan is going to be someone where when you're looking to upgrade your rookies to that kind of middle price to lower price, kind of middle middle premium that might have a really hot run, go 90 plus and outscore the Uber primos, she will be a pod around week five and week six that you're looking to upgrade to. How about Charlie Rowbottom? So we've got a former number one pick who's coming into her second season. 
but she was just so strong last year, uh, racking up the tackles. Very consistent back after the year, but probably didn't have that ceiling. Are we hoping for a bit of a second year breakout? Look, you, you always kind of price in completely linear progression. You know, second year player will be therefore better. I think you're right to bring up the one limitation to her game, which is there's not a lot of run and spread from the stoppage. She is an inside bull through and through. I think, I can't remember specifically what game it was, but at one point in one game in the fourth quarter, 90% of her possessions were contested possessions, which is an absurdly high number. Um, You really don't see that from a lot of players. No. And this kind of goes to the more meta thinking about, about fantasy. You want those players who have an inside and an outside role. So someone like Ebony Marinoff or Ann Hatchard who can lay 10 tackles and then come back the same week and have eight marks because they're running and spreading from the stoppage. The problem with Charlie Rowbottom is she could have 10 tackles and have 10 possessions and then no other impact in the game, which is fine. That can get you a 60 or 70, but it won't push you beyond that. One of the big questions that I have for this year is we're in a winter season. It's going to be uh, wet, wetter than usual. Maybe not up in Queensland, which is something we we talked about with Tara. But if it is wetter, then we might be seeing a lot more contested ball, a lot more stoppages, a lot more tackles. Look, 100%. And I, I think that there are going to be some players that will definitely benefit from wet weather footy. My only caveat to that would be AFLM, which is played in the winter, it's still true to say that the inside and outside players are the most dominant because they can, irrespective of the game that occurs, have an avenue to scoring. And I think that's the key thing there is that wet weather footy is more likely to happen in winter, but there are still going to be some fast-paced games in the sun, even if it is cold. And so in that instance, maybe Charlie Rowbottom's floor is raised because there might be a few extra tackles per game, but it's not, absolutely true to say that she's going to be the player to own who will massively increase her scoring. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tara was saying that it is going to be a bit of a run-and-gun game there. Are there any forwards that tempt you this year for the Gold Coast Suns? Well, getting back to our discussion from earlier about the frustrating kind of dual position players, Kalinda Howarth, Claudia Whitford and Ellie Hampson are all players that were defenders last year. And I would anticipate that at the very least, one of them will be a forward this year. One of them and both of them could be, all three of them, sorry, could be any position generally. I'd say that the pick of them, the, the one that I enjoyed the most was Ellie Hampson, just because she was the one who actually were getting the highest percentage of CBAs of the three. And I, I think then, she also looked the most explosive coming out of the middle where like really gave them that speed through the center and explosion out the front of the pack. Yeah, that was, I think that's the big thing is that she was quite often the person, if Charlie Rowbottom wasn't the first person to touch the ball, it was Ellie Hampson and Ellie Hampson was looking to exit out the front of the stoppage and use what is a pretty good kick to get it inside 50 to two pretty good key forwards as well. Do you have do you have a preference of the three? Like, is there anyone that you're saying, like, if we can guarantee a role or irrespective of role guarantee that you'd be looking to bring into your side at any point? Well, look, if, if, if we could guarantee any of them in the middle, I'd take any of them. I'd really be okay with it. I, I just think, particularly for our starting squads, we know that they're going to be changing around. I, I would be very hesitant to start with any of them, um, unless you really knew going into that first game 
uh, that Cameron Joyce comes out and says, oh, we want Blake Claudia Whitford in the middle for the next five rounds. Unless that happens, I, I don't really see myself taking that risk. And I think the key thing, and as, as much a reminder for the listeners as it is for us, irrespective of what the score is in any preseason games, we know that the role change can happen any week. So, you know, Ellie Hampson might have a 75 in a practice match. Don't lock her into your starting side being like, oh, she's 20 points underpriced. The role change will occur, 35 can happen and most likely will happen. The one last person that I wanted to bring up because she does interest me as, as someone I might start with if I wanted to go that premium ruck option as opposed to one of the value cheap rookies, Lauren Bella. It sounds like she's going to be trying to work on those around the ground skills because she's already got that ruck tap expertise. But if she starts getting the ball a little bit more around stoppages, uh, tackling a little bit more than that is, you know, that, that she could very easily turn into one of the better rucks in the game. Yeah, and we, we see that the the key, the highest scoring rucks in AFLW are those players that are able to take marks around the ground and lay a tackle. You see the work that um, Gabby Seymour does. She essentially operates as a second midfielder, uh, sorry, a fourth midfielder when the ball hits the ground. Unfortunately, we didn't see that from Lauren Bella last year, even if she was a truly dominant accumulative ruck. It will be, if we see an increase in that, she will be a target for me mid-year because at the moment my intention and this is it was like kind of before we have seen preseason games will be to start with a, a rookie lower price ruck just because i believe that there's going to be at least two or three options available well look we might leave it there for the gold coast suns i think we've certainly got a few players there with we're going to keep an eye on as the preseason carries on uh, tomorrow on to GWS, the Greater Western Sydney Giants. So keep an eye out for our episode then, and we'll have our best 21 out on our socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Stephen. And I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. All right, we'll, uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. See you, everyone. Ciao.